Welcome to Focus on the Family's weekend broadcast. We hope the following program will challenge you and encourage you in your faith journey. So how would you respond if this happened to you? What? Oh, man. May I see your license, please? What's all this about, officer? I wasn't speeding. My tags and license are all up to date. Hey, why are you writing me a ticket? Oh, this isn't a ticket. It's just a warning. Oh. You've been neglecting your marriage, Mr. Smith. What? And if you're not careful, you could be facing serious trouble down the road. <laughs> My marriage? Trouble? What are you talking about? Like I said, this is just a warning, Mr. Smith. Spend more time with your wife. Be sensitive to her feelings. Don't forget about those relationships which are most important to you. And safe driving, too. Well, was your marriage benefit from a friendly little reminder like that? Uh, Today on Focus on the Family, we have something like that for you as uh, we explore the relationship with your spouse, how you can make that better, and really experience the intimacy and uh, the love that God intends for you both. I'm John Fuller, and your host is Focus on the Family president and author Jim Daly. John, I think we all need encouragement about marriage and positive reminders about marriage. We dwell on the negative so often, you know, the differences rather than those things that God used to bring us together. And like you said, uh, making that relationship a priority. I I don't know why it's so hard. We have a lot of things that pull at us in this life, but the core thing is going to be your family. And that's why we're here at Focus on the Family, to try to make your family the strongest it can be. Um, If we're honest, it's easy to slip into the routines of life and taking care of the kids, pursuing careers, managing the household, all of it. Uh, Sometimes our marriages, they just end up getting the short end of the stick. And you can rationalize it. You can give a lot of excuses for it. But I'm telling you, it's the most important thing in this world that you can concentrate on. Um, Of course, your relationship with Christ is the foundation, but marriage is right next to it, and it's going to be the thing that carries you through in this life. Uh, Every marriage has its ebbs and flows. We get that. Times where you feel connected, other times when you're feeling distant. That's actually normal. Mm -hmm. Don't panic. But what we're talking about today and going to talk about with our guests is that sense of uh, distance that can occur and then what you need to do to close that gap and fall in love again, and uh, remember the key things that God pulled you together to accomplish. Yeah, if you're feeling a little bit complacent about your relationship, I think you'll find this to be a good, encouraging program. Uh, Jim, we won't be addressing those couples who are in serious trouble. We have uh, resources for folks uh, in that kind of trouble, uh, and we'd invite you to give us a call. But we really do want to make this a kind of a fine tune-up time. That's exactly right, John. Uh, Brad and Marilyn Rhodes are the co-founders of Grace Marriage. I just like that. It sounds right. You got to have a lot of grace in marriage. Uh, But this is a church-based ministry that is working to equip local churches to strengthen marriages each and every day. The Rhodes have a passion to help other couples experience the kind of transformational changes they've seen in their own marriage. And that's where We're going to talk with them today. So welcome, both of you, to Focus on the Family. Thank you. Glad to be here. Uh, So let's get right to it. Uh, Let's start with that overview of marriage today. Is marriage more difficult today than it was 50 years ago? I think so. Why? There's so much noise. You have cell phones. You have have youth sports. You have travel ball. You have so many things that it's so much more difficult now, I think, to make space for the marriage because so many things compete for time. 
And then in Matthew, it talks about the worries of the world and the deceitfulness of wealth choking out the word. Mm. I think the busyness and trying to pay bills and all that goes on squeezes out the life of the marriage. Yeah. How about you, Marilyn, as a woman and a wife, when you look at the role of marriage in the culture today, is it harder when you talk to your girlfriends? Is it different than maybe what your mother and grandmother may have talked about? Or is it generally the same? Absolutely. I think it's, I think it's more difficult. I think since we've shifted into a child-centered mentality where everything revolves around the children. And like he said, when we were growing up, there was no such thing as travel ball. But now, unless yeah. you're playing travel ball, you're not going to be playing sports. It's yeah. just the intensity and then all of the media that we have before us. You hear when we work with couples now, one of the things we hear most is that that is such a, a moot point. That's an issue for them, struggling to keep that at bay, yeah. to keep to turn off the noise so we do focus on each other. I think it's so it makes hard to it... do. You know, one of the things, we have one of our sons that was very interested in baseball, and we didn't really get on that bandwagon. Um, you know, we, not intentionally, but it just worked out to where we didn't have a lot of energy about doing, you know, a travel team like that. The money was expensive. Mm-hmm. And then you're on the road almost every weekend uh, going somewhere regionally. Sometimes it's two states over. And, I mean, it just, it does consume a lot of time. And uh, unless you're really thinking this kid's got pro ball potential, uh, it's probably a difficult decision. Yes. It is. A friend of mine said, I've decided I'm not going to sacrifice my entire family in hopes my child will be an average high school soccer player. (laughs) (laughs) That's a good way to look at it, but it's so true. Um, You mentioned that aspect in the marriage where, you know, all these things kind of pull us apart. How did you recognize you had a problem? And then how did you kind of formulate some solutions to getting back to what was healthy. I think it goes all the way back to when we were first married. We brought into marriage what the world feeds us. I mean, I loved romance movies and learning about Prince Charming, and I had these expectations that were off the charts. So you come into marriage with me with these expectations. Can you describe those just to help the listeners? What do those expectations look like? Well, um, I thought that we would get up every morning and have coffee together and talk about our day. And he's the type that got up two minutes before he had to be out the door and heading off to, you know, we moved to a new town when we got married. So we were in a new town, newly married, didn't know anyone. He was starting a law practice, and it really was a recipe for just a tank. Yeah. Uh, and so we had a really difficult first year in that I came with these expectations. I thought we would in the afternoons after work go for runs together, play tennis together and and it did not look like that. Yeah. And so I spent a lot of time thinking that um I need to tell him these things. If I don't tell him all the things he's doing that bother me, then we're going to set these <laughs> unhealthy patterns for our marriage. So about once a week I would just cry and he would be like, "Oh no, here we go again." Because I think he came at marriage with no expectations. Right. So you have this this <laughs> this collision, and so is this about had, like a year into your marriage or this a was, month? Oh, or? this the honeymoon was over before the honeymoon was, <laughs> oh. was over. We, right. So you saw really, it right away. We did see right away, and then we really did struggle that first year. And I was telling him everything he was doing that bothered me, and just being a nag and doing everything wrong. And at one point, the Lord really spoke to my heart. And was like, I'm your hope, not Brad. And I felt so convicted that I had put him in the place of God. And often I think the enemy does that. The good gifts God gives us, the enemy uses to take our eyes off of our true Mm -hmm. hope, which is Christ. 
and he's the lover of my soul. So I went to Brad and I said, will you forgive me? I've put you oh. in the place of God. And that there's no way you can meet that expectation. And so I'm sorry. And um, I don't um, need you to have joy. My hope is in Christ, and that's where my joy is. And that was really a turning point for me and my relationship with the Lord. Yeah. And then also in our relationship, because we then went from really miserable to stable. So you got out of the pit and at least got to ground level. Got to ground level. But Marilyn, level. I so appreciate that vulnerability and that openness. I can think of people I know, couples I know, that they may have been married 15, 20, 30 years, and, and she hasn't come to that understanding that he's not going to meet all my needs. That's right. What advice do you have for that person 10, 20, 30 years into their marriage, and they're still nagging and complaining that you're not, you're not there, boy? You you have missed the bar, and they've lived like that for years now. Speak to her directly. Say, hey, here's what's going to help you most, not nagging. That's what got us involved in grace marriage. We felt so convicted about how it's approached so poorly, and we see it so much in young couples. And that's how we first started out doing premarital counseling Uh and then marriage groups in our home. And I would, I just, I share that with any women that I talk to, that your husband is not your hope. Christ is. And if your hope is in Christ, then you take that burden off them and free them from what you're laying on them. And when you have that, then anything good within your marriage is a gift straight from God and blessings that just you encourage and help each other, but he does not complete you. I mean, the world will tell us that your spouse completes you. We compliment each other, but we certainly don't. And it's so important. Man, we are into it already. Mm -hmm. This is deep stuff, and I so appreciate it. The the key here, though, I really want women to catch what you're saying, Marilyn, because this, in my mind, this is where you are going to get the most hope and help mm-hmm. is coming to this realization that he's not going to be able to meet all the needs. He's an imperfect person. That's right. And you've got to somehow settle in your heart that that's okay. Mm-hmm. And I think so many married women um, struggle resting in that. Mm-hmm. And so... Did you continue to struggle even though you knew it? The Lord had pierced your heart with that, you know, very direct sense. Hey, Marilyn, your hope's in me, not in Brad. That's pretty direct. Did you still stumble with it? Did you still struggle with it? Were there times you begin to recognize, okay, whoa, I'm going back to that old person. I don't want to be that. Sure. Yesterday. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, that's good. No, that's good. It's true. Uh, It is when I find myself being bothered by something that Brad's doing or not doing that I wish he wouldn't do, which is going to be us through life. I'm reminded, whoa, where's your hope? Right. It's in me. So it's a check. Each time we come to those places, sure, there are things we talk and work through and share when we're struggling. but, But at the core, if it's hitting me at a place that's that deep, then... Of taking my eyes off Christ. Do you think, and Brad, you're going to get in here, believe me, but I just love this. Marilyn, you're so open about it, and I, I just appreciate that so much. If for that woman who struggles in that area, um, what is a practical day-to-day thing that they can do? I mean, you, you sounds like you have developed some great positive triggers mm-hmm. to catch yourself. So educate us. One thing I do, and I'll tell women in our Bible study groups, is if your husband does something that bothers you, don't immediately... Share it with them. Pray on it. Pray on it. Pray on it. And pray on that it. That is so hard. It is so hard. <laughs> to bite it your is. Tongue. And I don't do it every time. Don't hear me because I don't do it all of the time. But my prayer is by the Holy Spirit's leading when I'm spending time with the Lord and that I will pause and I will 
pray about it before I take it to him. What's the we benefit? Talk, What's the benefit of doing it that way? Oh, I'm trusting him for the result, not myself. You know, in that, even in the power of a praying wife, she talks about the Holy Spirit does such a better job at working on our spouses than we do. Yeah. We often get in the way of the Holy Spirit's moving when we take matters into our own hands. But when yeah. we pray, we give the God room to work rather yeah. than I, make bigger messes. I love it. That, that is so good. Now, Brad, we're going to just, you know, pick on you now. <laughs> so you have, I can't believe you had no expectations in your marriage. I mean, that just sounds a little gentle coming from Maryland, but you had to have some expectations. I can't really say I thought about it. Okay. <laughs> oh. I mean, so, I mean, I can't say I had to, I don't know that I had any expectations. It's probably just what I, I had two professional parents that both worked really hard and were loyal and, right. and kind of very left, calm, just kind of let each other do their own thing yeah, and interesting. did it really well and had a stable marriage and wonderful people. It was just a different model than Marilyn came in with an expectation of. Sure. So you were an attorney for 20 years. Describe that environment as Marilyn described it a moment ago. You'd get up just in time to get ready for work and go out the door and conquer the day and win a case and counsel people on what to do to probably save money, save their marriages, whatever, and then come home and be a little bit exhausted. What, what did that look like for you? We left Nashville. I worked at a big firm in Nashville to start a practice in Owensboro, and I was really excited. So I was just fired up about building a law practice, and I took all my eyes off the Lord and off Maryland and on to building a law practice. Tons of creative thought of ideas to generate clients, and I didn't put any creative thought at all on how to nurture my wife. And what were the, what were the danger signs for you? I didn't see that I had a problem. I, I thought that I had a hypersensitive wife. I felt mm. that everybody else liked me fine. What's her problem? Staff seems to like me. Clients seem to like me. So and I've got it together. Then I come home and, and she she's doesn't, crying. And she doesn't like me. So it's you know made sense to me. But like a friend of mine once said, he said, the person that knows you the best likes you the least. That's probably a problem with you. Boy. But I had a, a an uncle who has mentored me and he could see what I couldn't see. And he was not going to leave me alone until it was different. And he was back at the early end of Promise Keepers. And I had trouble sitting through an hour at church. I was thinking eight hours of marriage preaching would drive me crazy. So I turned him down two or three times. Right. And then he called my staff, cleared my schedule. He called my wife, cleared my schedule, bought my ticket, invited my father-in-law and called and said, Brad, I got great news for you. You're free and you're going. And I didn't want to go, but God didn't care. And I learned that his word's sharper than a double-edged sword. This Focus on the Family broadcast will continue in just a moment. Your marriage has 12 essential traits, and the Focus on Marriage Assessment is designed to evaluate those traits and help you build a relationship that thrives. It's free and only takes about 10 minutes to complete. Based on the research and experience of Dr. Greg and Aaron Smalley, this assessment will help you and your spouse discover areas that are working well and things that could use improvement, like communication, conflict, and commitment. Go to FocusOnTheFamily.com assessment to get started. That's FocusOnTheFamily.com assessment. Man, I knew my marriage was falling apart. I just didn't know how to fix it. I felt like I would always be alone, even if I stayed married. At Focus on the Family's Hope Restored Marriage Intensive, we offer hope to couples in crisis so they can have the marriage they've always dreamed of. For the first time, I felt like my husband truly heard me. I've received some great tools from the counselors that have changed my life and my marriage. To begin the journey of finding health, go to hoperestored.com today. Thanks for listening to Focus on the Family. Let's resume now with the balance of today's programming. 
Brett, a moment ago you mentioned going to a Promise Keepers event, and there are some who won't know what those are. So where was that, and, and what happened that, as I, I think you said, shattered you? What, yeah. what, what exactly took place? It was in Memphis, Tennessee, probably about 50,000 men there, and it was just expositing the Scripture on marriage. It said, love your wife just as Christ loved the church and gave his life up for her. Brad, what do you give up for Marilyn? I sat there and nothing. Live with your wife in an understanding way. Do you ask her questions? Do you seek to understand her? Do you spend time just relating with her? No. Don't be harsh with her. I was sarcastic. All of her tears made sense. Mm. My sin was HD clear. I remember having the vivid thought, am I doing anything correctly? Uh, and, and the answer was no. But God gave me a godly sorrow out of 2 Corinthians. It's, you know, the godly sorrow leads to a zeal to clear oneself. And I could not wait to get home. So what was the drive like back home? I, mean. I couldn't wait. I couldn't wait to get back home. I remember thinking, she's still there. She's still there. And we're going to make this right. Mm -hmm. you know, we got home at 2 a.m. from that event. At 5.30 a.m. before church, she's up planting plants. And I got up at 5.30 on three and a half hours sleep with a shovel. And I said, where do you want me to dig? And she looked at me like I was a ghost. Like, <laughs> what are you doing? I said, honey, we're starting today. And it was weird because I knew something had changed. I wasn't worried about being temporary. I remember hoping she wouldn't believe me just because I thought five years from now she'll have no question. I didn't feel like I needed to prove myself. I feel like God had just changed me. Mm. And our marriage underwent a transformation. We went from probably the normal coexistent marriage where you just go through life side by side together to just richly enjoying each other and richly enjoying marriage. And that really is what God used to, to vault us into marriage ministry because of the kids we did the youth ministry with started saying, we want what you guys have. Will you do our premarital? So that was the gateway end of marriage ministry probably 12 years ago. And in that context, um, where are we getting it wrong uh, as churches do marriage ministry? What What's working with what you're doing? And what would you say to the pastors who are listening? Uh, two things. One, we teach to have a great marriage, you have to not need one. The Lord Jesus Christ is sufficient. And then we fight and fight and fight to get it to give us something it can never give us. That's one thing. The other is we've seen a growing intentionality. One of my board members said, couples will never be more intentional with their marriages than churches are with their marriage ministries. And as we've met with churches, the level of intentionality with children and youth compared to marriage, it's a big difference. Huh, interesting. There's a big gap. There's pretty strong focus on premarital counseling but not a lot of good structures to help the everyday marriage grow and be protected. Right. So what we want churches to do and what they're doing, and we're so excited, is they're going upstream, catching marriages pre-crisis. And if you catch a marriage at a five, it's not hard to get it to an eight or nine. Mm -hmm. But you catch a marriage at a one, you take some real expertise to try to help them get to a three because yeah. of the damage that's been done by the time they hit that crisis point. Yeah, no, that's really well said. I, I want to make sure we're catching the heart of the listener who may be struggling. And so, Marilyn, coming back to you, you made a comment that um, I think is really interesting. You said you were great talking to Brad. You're great at dating, but horrible at marriage. I think a lot of wives have. I think I recall Jean making that statement to me a few years ago, you know. <laughs> I, I love you. I just don't like you right now. Mm -hmm. I mean, there's lots of ways that that statement comes out. And it, it all comes back to the same source, what you're describing, Brad, our neglect as husbands toward our wives. Um, speak to that moment. What were you expressing to Brad to say something like that? You know, you're good at dating, but you're horrible at marriage. I wanted him to start treating me as he did when we dated. Because I feel like when we were dating, it was this courtship and this pursuit. But then once we were married kind of 
we're married now, so that can stop. Right. Where I still wanted some of this to go on. And that's why I would say that, because at that point, he was pursuing building a practice, put his focus on that. It, it really that No, that's good. It sounds like, you know, and, and it happens to us men that mm-hmm. our vocational interests become our mistress and we ignore our, our wife. And we justify it by saying, look how we're helping the family. My job's to provide. And, you know, this is what I'm doing. And you should be actually patting me on the back because I'm doing a pretty good job providing for mm-hmm. us. And you're going, yes. but I'm starving. I'm dying. Yes. And that's not what I'm interested in. That's uh, right. Just describe that for us. Well, it came out in tears about weekly. And I would just, I would say things like, if you loved me, then you would spend time with me or we'd get up and we would have coffee together or we would do things together. And, and he would say, I do love you. And so I, I was just expressing my frustration and that the way I feel loved is by an action. And, and he would sit there and roll his eyes and I was actually accomplishing the opposite of what I was wanting to accomplish. Huh. Mm-hmm. And so when God really spoke to my heart and it's like, I'm your hope, not Brad, then I, I really was free to just give rather than beg for him what I wanted. Yeah, give without expectation. Yes, yes. Wow. So I kind of, and I've said before to women, you just need to bury the bar. Hmm. You know, not oh. just bury the bar yeah. of expectations because that, um, when I put expectations on him, it actually, it sets us up for trouble. But if I don't have expectations and I freely give love to him, then it, you just, even in that place, once I went to him, our marriage went to a better place before we went to Promise Keepers. So I went to him and I said I was sorry and I've put expectations on you. And then I really was pursuing the Lord. And then just listening to the Lord, like, how can I love him? How can I love him well? And we started doing better without me telling him, you're doing this wrong, you're doing this wrong, you're doing this wrong. Because I shifted from a mentality, which I think is so easy that the world falls into, we all fall into, that what you can do for me. Right. And that's... The greatest reason marriages are just yeah no. So the Lord is working in both of you kind of simultaneously. Mm-hmm. It sounds like, um, and then Brad, you get back from Promise Keepers. This big change. You show up in the garden five thirty in the morning, three hours after you put your head on your fellow, mm-hmm. and it begins to change. So, what were some of the evidences of this occurring? Um, being there is obviously one. Over the next week, two weeks, months, couple of years, was it sustainable? Yes, um, I started putting creative thought and how to bless and love Maryland and not just creative thought and how to grow a law practice and handle cases well. I started using creative energy into my wife and family, which was most important, and not just toward my law practice. And it was sustainable. We've been through really difficult times in our family where she's really sad, I'm really down, I'm really anxious, but we have Spending time together, appreciating one another, that has been stable and constant. Oh, that is so good. What are some of the examples there where you've seen success through grace marriage? What we've seen is we provide a structure that all couples can get in because I found that sustained growth is rare without structure and accountability. I'd been an entrepreneurial business coaching for six years, so every 90 days I would go to I would go to business coaching, and they would tell me what to do next. And if I didn't do it, they would remind me. And I realized that structure is why our business grew so well. I thought, why wouldn't that same structure work in marriages? Hmm. So we worked on that structure from 2012 until leaving the practice in 2015. And now what we've seen, when couples invest in their marriage, that scripture says whoever sows generously will reap generously. 
We hear it over and over and over. The difference it makes when people invest time, resources, and creative energy into their marriage, they're amazed what a great gig the Lord's given them and their spouse. Hmm. That is so well said. Um, It's great that you're using the lessons you learned in the early years of your marriage to help other couples today. And I want to hear a lot more about grace marriage next time. Let me turn to our listeners for a moment to remind you of all the great tools we have here at Focus on the Family for your benefit. We want to help husbands and wives thrive in their marriages. And that's why we're talking about the topic today. If you need prayer or encouragement or just someone to talk to, we have a wonderful team of Christian counselors who can help. And we have lots of resources at our website, like Hope Restored, where we provide several days of intensive counseling for those couples who are ready to call it quits. But after they go through Hope Restored, 80% of the couples surveyed two years later are still married. And that is an amazing statistic. So we're here to help you discover God's best for your marriage. And we'll put you in touch with our counseling team or any of the other resources that Jim just mentioned. And we can do that when you call 800-232-6459. 800-the-letter-A in the word family. Or visit focusonthefamily.com slash broadcast to learn more. We also have a tangible takeaway from what we've shared today. Two of our Focus colleagues, Dr. Greg Smalley and Dr. Bob Paul, have written an excellent book called Nine Lies That Will Destroy Your Marriage. And Greg and Bob really confront the common lies like all you need is love, and they offer some really godly truth that will help husbands and wives find better ways to communicate and serve each other and support each other. We'll send that book to you when you make a generous donation of any amount to the Ministry of Focus on the Family. It'll be our way of saying thank you for partnering with us and helping us uphold and strengthen marriages today. And by the way, if you can't afford to make a donation today, get in touch and uh, we'll find a way to get that book into your hands. Uh, We'll trust that uh, others will make donations to cover the cost. Uh, Brad and Marilyn, there are many more questions that I want to ask you about, and um, you have a wonderful story about a six-month road trip that you took with all five of your kids. I I can't wait to hear how wonderful it was. Uh, As a fellow camper, I'm thinking there's some pretty incredible stories ahead. So let's uh, come back next time, and we'll talk about what the Lord accomplished in that mess, (laughs) kind of rekindling your marriage and your family in that experience. Can we do that? Absolutely. All right. And we're looking forward to having you as a listener join us next time for the continuation of this conversation with the Rhodes. Meanwhile, donate to Focus on the Family and receive your copy of that book by Drs. Smalley and Paul. It's all at focusonthefamily.com slash broadcast or call 1-800-THE-LETTER-A and the word family, 800-232-6459. On behalf of Jim Daly and the entire team, thanks for joining us today for Focus on the Family. I'm John Fuller inviting you back as we once more help you and your family thrive in Christ. You're listening to Focus on the Family's weekend broadcast. We'll take a quick break and then return with the second half of this program for your family. Stay tuned. I'm here asking people how they could both give and get. I don't know, maybe love? Yeah, you could both give and get love. True, but it's also possible with a charitable gift annuity. 
you get a secure source of fixed income and a charitable tax deduction. Plus, giving a charitable gift annuity to focus on the family helps families thrive for generations to come. I love that. Find out more. Go to FocusPlannedGiving.com. That's FocusPlannedGiving.com. So my, my role in marriage is the forgiveness of Marilyn. Marilyn's role in marriage is forgiveness of Brad. And then we richly enjoy one another despite both being messed up. So make when your spouse does something that annoyed you, that trigger to do something nice to you. Mm. That's what Christ did. While you were his enemy, while you were sinning, he died for you and said, now go, go love your spouse like that and put me on display. So I'd say the main thing would be put your marriage under the grace of Jesus. Don't respond with withdrawal or consequence. Respond with pursuit and grace. That's Brad Rhodes with a powerful reminder of how the relationship with your spouse is supposed to mirror your relationship with Jesus Christ. Brad and his wife Marilyn are back with us today on Focus on the Family, and your host is Focus President and author Jim Daly. I'm John Fuller. John, we had a great conversation last time with Brad and Marilyn about couples who aren't in a marriage crisis where they need special help, and we're here for you if that's your situation. We have Uh, incredible resources, Hope Restored, Intensive Marriage Counseling, along with uh, books and other helps that we are there to provide you with. But we're talking today about that, you know, average marriage where it's just drifted apart a bit. Um, Certain things have not been addressed. You're kind of in the business of doing life together and it's dry. That's what we're trying to address today. And if you missed last time, get a copy. There were so many gold nuggets in there, John, as we talked um, you know, four, five, six things that both Marilyn and Brad expressed that I thought were really, really good for those of us who are looking to improve our relationship and be all that we can be in God's view when it comes to our marriages. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and if you missed the last episode of this program, you can contact us and get a copy. Our website is focusonthefamily.com slash broadcast or call 800, the letter A and the word family, to, uh, to get that and to learn more about Hope Restored and other resources that we have for your marriage. Oh, and here's the good news. Your marriage doesn't have to end up that way. You don't have to live in that rut. Uh, that's not good for the witness of Christ either because he's created this institution of marriage. There's a right way to do it and a wrong way to do it. And uh, we in the body of Christ need to really uh, concentrate on making our marriages strong so that when the world looks at us, they're saying, man, they have something so different. I want that. That would be the right thing. And man, the conversation we had last time, again, gave us so many ideas to click into. Um, Here at Focus on the Family, we're here to help you. So as John said, get in touch with us. Uh, Last time we described Brad and Marilyn's situation early in their marriage, Marilyn came in with lots of great expectations about how they're going to walk together in the warm afternoon. And she realized quickly that Brad was about building his law practice and that he had uh, all his attention was drawn in that direction. There wasn't much left for her. Uh, that was the kind of the environment. And then Brad went to a Promise Keepers event. <laughs> Whoever spoke there got a hold of him, shattered him was the word that he used. And he couldn't wait to get home, got home at 2 in the morning, woke up at 5.30 in the morning. Marilyn's out in the garden already. You must be quite a gardener. And uh, there he was to help her and say, it's all going to be different now. I'm here to help you. Beautiful, beautiful transformation. Mm -hmm. We're picking up from that point and talking about the months and the years since then and what has transpired. They have created a ministry called Grace Marriage, and I'm sure they would love for you to tap into them as well. We'll give you those details. 
Um, this is a wonderful, um, wisdom-filled opportunity for you to know the steps toward a healthier, happier marriage. Uh, Brad and Marilyn, welcome back to Focus on the Family. Thank you. <laughs> uh, I tried to set the stage there, mm-hmm. John. So, yeah, good job. Yeah. Um, let's pick up there. You're doing better. You're engaged. You're helping one another. You're loving each other. You're now doing marriage mentoring at your church and marriage ministry, pre-marriage counseling, correct? Correct. And about 100 couples have now been uh, at that point coming to you. And what happened at that point? We, we had worked with youth for years, and the youth had watched our marriage and said, we want what you guys have. So one asked us to do premarital, then another. Then we started groups. And God, by God's kindness and favor, we had a long waiting list to be in the groups. And then we started getting a lot more involved in reading and educating ourselves in marriage. And just the Lord just caused us to be more and more involved in the marriage. Then in 2012, I talked about the business coaching last episode, I thought, why wouldn't that work in marriage? What if you're as intentional with your marriage as you are with other aspects of life? Could it not come alive? So we did an experiment in 2012, took 10 couples in marriage coaching. Once every 90 days, got together and worked on our marriage. It worked. It grew. Had no clue. But by 2015, I was out of the law practice. Brad, you talked about just being single focused, compartmentalized like we men can do. We got to build a business. So see you later. And by the way, make sure we're eating and I'll talk to you emotionally (laughs) maybe on Saturday from 3 to 3.30. And that's kind of it. And we can live in that space. Women cannot. And moving forward, talk to that man who has lived there. He comes away from Promise Keepers. He's not shattered. He's going, okay, I'm a good provider. Shatter him right now. Let's say that marriage is supposed to be a reflection of Christ and his church. The Bible starts the marriage, ends with the marriage. People should be impressed with Jesus and impressed with marriage by the way you love your spouse. Huh. Scripture says, love your wife as Christ loved the church and gave his life up for her. I just challenge guys to put the love, grace, and sacrifice of Jesus on display by the way you treat your wife. And I will tell you, it's worth it. I mean, the, the joy I've received having a close relationship with Marilyn, laughing, traveling, dating, is much greater than any of the things that I did, golfing, basketball leagues, all the stuff I did that I wanted to do. It's true. Relationship is more satisfying. And I've learned that whoever pursues pleasures become poor. And I, I did whatever I wanted to do, and then I put attention into Marilyn. And I tell you, God's way is way better and it doesn't come natural at first. It's, I mean, right now the statistics are staggering about how little one-on-one time couples spend together. Yeah. And as a result, it makes sense why so many fall apart. So if you take care of it now, you'll likely never birth into crisis. If yeah. somebody told you there's a 50% chance you're going to die of something, but if you do this, you probably won't die, you do it. Statistics shows a 40 to 50% chance your marriage will end. But they also show if you'll invest and you'll spend time and you'll do things with your spouse and you'll engage with her 90 days in coaching together, it's likely never to happen. And as an attorney, I have seen the wreckage of divorce, mm-hmm. the, the pain, the sadness, the bitterness, the anger, the complications that last for an entire lifetime. And if you do things now to avoid that, I can assure you you won't regret it. Yeah. That's so well said. You speak about a couple that you encountered. I think you counseled them where... You saw this incredible transformation. Um, I think the wife was in an affair. And describe what was going on there, because, again, many people will identify with aspects of this story. Well, 
I've got teenage daughters, and there was a couple I'd worked with that had teenage daughters, and they were getting ready to divorce and going through a really difficult time. Long period of stagnancy led to crisis, and it just ate my lunch because I just thought of my daughters and their struggles and what it's going to be like for them, traveling back and forth between parents, and they're having trouble already. And just um, basically I played the tape forward and said, look, let me tell you what divorce looks like. Let me tell you what step-parents told him what it's going to look like when another guy's tucking your kids in while you're away from them 12 out of 14 days. What it's going to look like traveling back and forth. What child support looks like. What the complications of it look like. And we played the tape forward and painted what the future looked like. Mm. So I can be a little prophetic for you because I've watched so many people go through it. And that wasn't appealing to them. And then they made the decision when God moved in their heart, we're going to restore our marriage and we're going to make it right. And they made the decisions they needed to make. And I'll never forget, I got a call like months later, the number popped up and scared me. And so just wanted to tell you, I forgot to thank you. And they were doing wonderful. It's just every time I see them together on Facebook in different places, it just warms my heart. Yeah, I mean, and that's the true life story. That's what you want to see happen. Not the mistakes, obviously, those things. When they occur, they can rip a family apart. But the idea that we're going to get this back under God's authority and we're going to do the right thing. I applaud that couple. All right, let's talk about the trip you took. So you you planned, I don't know where this came about in the garden, maybe that started at 5.30 in the morning. There. It was the woman's know. fault. It was. sounds like a 5.30 in the morning idea. But uh, what was it, and what were you thinking you were going to accomplish with this massive uh, nationwide trip? Well, the catalyst was he came home from a mission trip, and we've been working in marriage ministry for a number of years, and it was growing and taking more time, and our passion was there. And he said, I feel like we just we need to do this full time. And so that started him transitioning out of practicing law into grace marriage ministry. And while we were talking about this transition, our our children are 16 down to four at this point. And I thought, when would we ever have an opportunity where you're transitioning from one thing to another, where we could take time, he could work from the road, but we could travel as a family. So this idea... I, I believe it was from God, <laughs> birthed in my mind. And I started sharing with Brad, let's do this. Let's do this. Why couldn't we do this? We could go January until summer, take the kids out of school, just homeschool for six months, see you the United States. You can visit with churches and our kids are going to be gone before we know it. And right now they are. Our oldest is getting ready to leave for college. And so I thought this is an opportunity as for us to have time as a family together. So that's what birthed the idea. And then it kept growing in my mind. And we can visit all these national parks and hike and camp. And anyway, I was the only one on board for a very long time. Is that right? Yeah. You thought it was I a just, great idea. I did. My three youngest thought it was a great idea. My two oldest that were in high school, one sixteen, we kind of had to take them against their will, hold them hostage. That's a hard time. I yeah. mean, all the friendships are <laughs> yes. building and the independence is coming. Yes, and, yes. And but I, you did it. Yes. I told them, I said, you won't remember the winter of your freshman and sophomore year, but if we do this, you won't forget this trip. So. Well, that's good. So tell me about it. What happened? Well, I said no. I'm like, <laughs> I'm like, 
I said, you know, there's no place that you're going to start something brand new, and the first step you're going to do is leave for six months. Right. So a friend of mine said, hold her off and see if it passes. <laughs> hold her off. Yeah. It sounds like a great question. Her, movie there. her quote yeah. was. That's look, John Wayne. Her quote was, I've always supported your dreams. Time to get on board with mine. Oh. <laughs> I didn't say it just Oh, like wow. That. Just, yeah. but, but that I was did, good. But I yeah. did say, you know. It's, it, I'm not okay really not doing it. I really have a dream. I did say I'm not okay not doing it. You know, I was on my way to Louisville for a legal seminar, and I remember thinking, why are you resisting? this. Yeah. You had to spend six months with your kids. So then my mind started racing. We can meet with churches all over the country. Grace Marriage can get pockets all over the place. And so I got all excited about what it, what it could mean from a work standpoint, ministry standpoint. And then I talked to my board and they said, no Grace Marriage while you're gone or you'll have no board when you return. Wow. They said, well, if you're going to do marriage the rest of your life, we want to see how you do just as a husband and father for six months. View yourself as Maryland's homeschool assistant. <laughs> so, so your ministry board said you can't talk to churches while you're on the road. No, Doug, me- no meetings, no deadlines. This is Brad's big vision for what it's going to look like. Yeah, let's turn it and into a they're saying trip. no. Yeah. And I said, Marilyn said, I think he feels like you've killed his baby. They said, no, we've delayed the delivery, so it'll be a healthy one. This Focus on the Family broadcast will continue in just a moment. I was convinced that nothing could change what was going on in our marriage, and I didn't want to try anymore. But my commitment to God helped me try one more time. We went to a Hope Restored Marriage Intensive, and it was life-changing. The counselors created the safest environment we could imagine, so that let us really talk. We're on a much different course now, and I believe we received a miracle that week. Receive your free consultation at HopeRestored.com. Thanks for listening to Focus on the Family. Let's resume now with the balance of today's programming. So let's, I'm into the trip because I'm a camper. I love it. So you get going. I mean, were there disasters? A many. (laughs) I love it. (laughs) What happened? Six months on the road. You name it. It happened. Oh, really? I mean, from ERs in LA to broken foot to you name it. We we. So describe it. I mean, where'd you end up? What are some of the national parks you went to? And what was it like? It was amazing. It was difficult. And there were days, if you could have been a fly on the wall, you would have been highly entertained. Because with five kids in a van, seven <laughs> of us traveling, how many thousand miles? 20? 22,895. What did you learn as a family from doing that? I mean, it's the fun stuff, but spiritually, what took place? If we had your kids here and we're asking them this question, what would you all say about the spiritual development of your family in, those, in that six months? I fell in love with my kids. The first month, I have to admit, was rough because I was, I'm used to like... You're intense. Oh, I'm used to people being in the lobby, me calling back for an appointment for 30 minutes. I'm not used to being in a van with seven people all the time. (laughs) I'm not used to making, the kids nicknamed me Fami, Father Mommy. Father Mommy. Because I'm now helping with lunch, helping with doing a lot of things I've never done. I remember January 31st on the back porch in Marathon, Texas, literally felt like I was going to lose my mind. And I thought, in two months, I'll be halfway done. (laughs) In two months. That's my vivid thought. But then in February, I settled in and literally cried as we pulled back in. Because I realized I'll never have this again. I mean, every meal, all seven of us. Every day, I'm running with two beautiful teenage daughters. I'm I'm running with them. They're not with their team. They're not with their friends. They're with me. And it was just just the unique characteristics, watching my son go crazy at NBA games. And it was just, oh, it was it was rich. How about for the two of you in your marriage? What what helpful uh, experience was it in that regard for your own marriage? It it was challenging 
to find time. We still would do dates. We would leave the kids and pull away at at a camp, even (laughs) at a camp. Or, you know, when we're staying in a small house we had rented, we would take time. We would just, you have to so intentionally take that time because it was extra difficult when you're together like that for six months to find time to pull away the two of us. So we just would, and our kids know, and we just that that's a priority and we're going to make that happen. What we learned is you can never put marriage on hold. I don't care if you're in crisis in your family. I don't care if you're on a trip. You have to make space for your marriage because if you don't take care of something, it gets stagnant, vulnerable, and often killed. Yeah. That idea of a a child-centric home, let's uh, plan ourselves there for a moment because I think a lot of us make the mistake because we're trying to do the right thing uh, in following the Lord and making sure our kids are raised in the admonition of the Lord. That takes a lot of parenting especially in today's environment with, uh, you know, social media and all those things. The parent has to be diligent, and you have to be engaged to the point where it does take a lot of time. Mm -hmm. So how do you not make your home a a child-centric home so that the marriage flounders? It's a daily fight, Mm -hmm. and we have to fight that, and that's one thing that's so good about the coaching and us talking weekly because we have to prioritize our marriage because our kids— with five of them. And we have said, each of you can do one sport. We only do one sport at a time. But if you have five kids five and they're each sports. doing one sport, <laughs> it's crazy. It'll still, it's just, it is so challenging, especially with the media and out loud and how everybody lives. I think there are unrealistic expectations on us as parents and what we need to do in parenting our kids. And in the sake of being good parents, we're actually doing our children disservice if we make them the center of everything. Well, and as you just described that, that's what I was thinking when the kids observe in you the fact that you're on this six-month camping trip, which I, I would love to do. But they see you saying, we need time for just mommy and daddy. And you go and make that time. And the older kids, you know, 14, 15, 16, they're, they're in charge. That's all good stuff. Mm-hmm. And A, they're seeing what it means to take care of a marriage. You're modeling that. And B, they're going to be okay. It's okay to let them kind of, uh, you know, think, oh, what do I do now? How do I'm in charge. What do I do? (laughs) And and right now it's interesting because couples will go away numerous weekends for youth sports and other things. And you say, we don't have time for six hours every 90 days to work on our marriage. I mean, if you look at the amount of time, I tell them if I could just spend 10% of the time together you do with your kids' sports, you thrive. Yeah, think of that. And just think of that. And when people start flipping their mentality toward an investment mentality in marriage and really enjoying their marriage and realize they have the freedom to do that, and they don't have to be conformed to the patterns of the world where everything revolves around their kids, which is both a disservice to them and their children. Yeah, I agree. I agree. You know, right in the last few minutes, let's just give some bottom line advice uh, to couples to help their marriages. Um, You tell husbands and wives that they need to spend more time having fun and doing these things. A lot of couples, practically speaking, they may not be able to get away for six months and do a great grand camping trip. Mm -hmm. But what are some bottom line helps that you would recommend that you would give in your seminars with Grace Marriage? The number one thing would be Build your marriage on the grace of Jesus. Uh, Neither one of us handle struggles real well. Uh, She gets down. I get stressed. But Scripture says, sin will have no dominion, master, control over you because you're under grace, not law. So my my role in marriage is forgiveness of Marilyn. Marilyn's role in marriage is forgiveness of Brad. And then we richly enjoy one another despite both being messed up. So make when your spouse does something annoyed you a trigger to do something nice to you. 
Hmm. Because that's what Christ did while you were his enemy, while you were sinning. He died for you and said, now go, go love your spouse like that and put me on display. So I'd say the main thing would be put your marriage under the grace of Jesus. Don't respond with withdrawal or consequence. Withdrawn with pursuit and grace. That is so good. Marilyn, from a woman's perspective, any practical advice for that wife? That's what he just said. What we talk about is just the foundation of a grace-based marriage rather than a works-based mm. because our, our world teaches us, if you do for me, then I'll do for you. It's a works-based mentality. I think lots of, so that every time we come together with couples every 90 days, we're reminding them that your your hope is in Christ and it's the extension of grace to your spouse. And people leave freed and energized to love well rather than there's this list of things I've got to do if I'm going to be a good wife or this list of things i got to do to be a good husband. We talk about the extension of grace plus being intentional. The date night, other than our relationship with the Lord, one of the best things we've done over the past 22 years is we go on a date every week. And it is a battle to make that happen. I mean, with our kids and all the things going on, but we make it a priority. And that's one of the best things we do. And I even tell people a bad date is better than no date because right. you're still <laughs> spending time together. They're not right. all going to be great dates. Yeah. They're not all going to be, but you're, you're connecting. Yeah. And that regular date night is so important because as we said, um, it's easy to drift apart. I want to remind our listeners about the bottom line of what we've been sharing both last time and today, because it's the little things that are going to kill your relationship. Um, very few marriages have a blowout that comes out of nowhere. It's more likely the result of years of little annoyances that are building up where you eventually just turn away from each other and basic selfishness eventually destroys a marriage. A slow leak is probably an apt description for what I'm talking about. If you're feeling like your marriage is headed in the wrong direction, maybe it's not a crisis yet, but you're seeing those signs of drifting. I urge you to contact us today. Don't wait. Here at Focus on the Family, we want to help you. We want to rescue hurting couples and strengthen those relationships that may be slipping just a bit or maybe a lot. That's why we have our counseling team, our websites, and our Hope Restored Marriage Intensives, uh, where we provide in-depth counseling over several days for those relationships that are truly on the brink of divorce. Don't put it off. Get the help you need. You're not going to surprise us with what you're going through. We've been doing this for 40 years. Call us or visit our website. We want to help your marriage thrive in Christ. And our phone number is 800, the letter A in the word family, 800-232-6459. You can find help and information at focusonthefamily.com slash broadcast. Marilyn, we're winding down, but I do want to ask you this last question. It's been on my heart for a while, and, you know, both through experience, but observation of other couples. I I, I don't mean to offend anyone, but in this regard, kind of the curse of Eve, the daughters of Eve, if I can steal that from C.S. Lewis, this idea of fear and control. Um, I think wives, mothers grapple with that so much. And you talked about, you know, the very behavior that you want out of your husband or your children, for that matter, right. when you're cutting and when you're sarcastic and when you're demanding and you feel those are all right things because they're righteous things. I want more righteousness out of you as a husband, as a child, as my child. Mm -hmm. It's not 
wrong in and of itself. You want to call them to a higher standard. I get that. But the, that daughter of Eve, that fear and control, so many women, the more fear that they're experiencing, it's like the more control she wants to exert in her husband, in her children. And you end up creating in that marital relationship or in that parenting situation, the very child or the very spouse you don't want because that fear and control drives them away. Yes. Um, I've said a lot there, but are you relating to that? Do you understand what I'm sure? Hmm. Sure. In marriage and in parenting. I think we do. We, and I think too, as that daughter of Eve, we struggle with um, feeling accused more than men as well. We talk about that, that I, I feel like I'm not enough, like I'm not being a good enough wife. I'm not being a good enough mother. I'm not being a good enough friend. And you live with this, you know, Brad and I have talked about this and we've talked with other couples. I think that's a special part of, of yeah. the curse as well yeah. that we endure. And you just have to surrender it all to the Lord yeah. and your kids. I mean, we, we've had health issues with our kids. We've walked through some really scary things and it does, it makes you want to. And I'm even find myself now as a daughter getting ready to leave for college, I think, I've got to tell her all these things right now because she's going to be gone. But that's the worst thing I can do. And I have a sweet, gentle husband that'll help remind me. But we do in that fear and that desire to control, we do the exact opposite Well, and with our kids. So it's so important to to remember that, I mean, and, and as they get older, we learn the hard way we're not in control. Yeah, one way we're or another. Because the irony is that's what God is then going to teach you. That's right. And that praise, praise God we're not in control. Because <laughs> if I were, it really, it, it doesn't turn out pretty. But yeah. he is. And when we truly rest in that, we can have peace. And that's what you've experienced. That's why I wanted to ask that question. Because right from the get-go, last time and through uh, today, that's what I hear in what you're saying specifically as a woman, mm-hmm. that I learned quickly to bury my bar of expectation, that I understood I, I get this from my relationship with the Lord. Brad's not going to meet all the needs inside. And I, I think that right there would do so much for marriages to help them. And, of course, Brad, your wonderful testimony, having a tender heart toward your wife, that, that convicts all of us as men because we so often overlook it. So this has been great. Thank you for being vulnerable again and just laying it out there for us to learn from. Thank you so much. Thank you for having us. Appreciate you having us. Hmm. What a wonderful conclusion to our two-day conversation with Brad and Marilyn Rhodes, the co-founders of Grace Marriage. And we'll have more information about them and that ministry at our website, along with additional resources to strengthen your marriage. One example would be our free marriage assessment, which is easy for you and your spouse to fill out. Uh, It'll help you discover what's working well in your relationship, and uh, maybe you'll find some areas where you can uh, improve a bit. We also have a great book written by two of our colleagues here at Focus, Dr. Greg Smalley and Dr. Bob Paul. It's called Nine Lies That Will Destroy Your Marriage. And in this book, the authors offer godly truths to replace those lies and encouraging couples and offering hope to those who are struggling. It's a terrific resource. We'll send a copy of that book to you when you make a generous financial gift of any amount to Focus on the Family. It'll be our way of saying thank you for joining us in uh, working to strengthen and support marriages around the world. Donate today and get these resources at focusonthefamily.com slash broadcast or call 800, the letter A, and the word family, 800-232-6459. On behalf of Jim Daly and the entire team, thanks for joining us today for Focus on the Family. 
I'm John Fuller inviting you back as we once more help you and your family thrive in Christ.